This episode of WISE contains discussions of suicide and sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. The boy knew that he needed to get to the train station quickly before the last train left for the night. He had lost track of time, but had to catch the train. Getting home was too far of a walk, and it was a cold night. He hated walking alone at night, and it was late enough that hardly anyone was even out anymore. He shivered. He worked hard to convince himself that he was just cold, refusing to acknowledge to himself the heavy unease he felt hanging in the air. He felt like there were a thousand eyes on him, even though the streets were empty. But then he saw her. A girl, not much older than himself, looking out of a window, propped up on her elbows with her head relaxed in her hands, watching him. She was pretty and disarming. They made eye contact, and she smiled slightly, and even though he smiled back, he still felt uneasy. A noise behind him startled him. He turned around to investigate, but all he saw was that he was still alone on the desolate street. He must be imagining things. Only a few more minutes to the train station. He could even see the glow of the lights there off in the distance. He shivered again and turned back around, a little embarrassed that the girl had seen him get so spooked. But when he looked back to her window, she was gone. His walking sped up. He was ready to be safely on the train home. He heard another sound behind him, this one different from whatever sound his scared brain had come up with before. No, the sound was distinctive. It was rhythmic and sounded more like knocking, almost like a tick-tick sound. He turned around slowly and was surprised to see the girl from the window a few yards away from him. She was moving toward him. She was the source of the sound. But why was she so low to the ground? And why was she moving so strangely? His brain struggled to comprehend what he was seeing and hearing. But then she moved closer into the glow of a streetlight. His blood ran cold when he realized that when he had seen her leaned into the window, he had seen all there was of her. She was missing her entire lower half. She was walking partially on her hands and partially on her forearms, and she was approaching him rapidly. He turned and ran. The train station was so close, he could almost taste it. He could hear her gaining on him, the sickening sound getting louder and louder. He ran harder than he ever had in his life. And just then, he felt a sharp pain across his body. Suddenly, he was falling. 
Why did his legs seem so far away? He could see her. She was so close, smiling at him. Everything went dark as he realized that he had been cut in half by the techie techie. Teki Teki was once human, but the circumstances surrounding her death were so traumatic that she is now full of wrath and seeks vengeance. On whom she seeks vengeance is dependent on which version of her story you believe, but in all versions, the Teki Teki was left abandoned and died angry, always being cut in half by a train. This anger caused her to come back as a type of vengeful spirit known as an onryo. Onryo may be ghosts, but they are more than capable of bringing harm and death to those in the world of the living. The Onryo's goal being to remove their victim spirits from their bodies. In some versions of the Teki Teki legend, the victims become Teki Teki themselves, although this is rare. The Teki Teki kills her victims by various methods, most often by cutting or tearing them in half or throwing them onto the train tracks where the train cuts them in half. She has been known to carry a saw or a scythe to divorce victims from their lower half, but a weapon is not always necessary for her to carry out her gruesome kills. The Teki Teki is almost always represented as female, sometimes a schoolgirl and sometimes a young woman, and usually a victim of either sexual assault or mental illness, although sometimes she's just a victim of bad luck. In one of the more gruesome origin stories for the Teki Teki, she is a young woman in post-World War II Japan who is raped by an American soldier. This assault leaves her understandably distraught, and so she takes her own life by jumping from a bridge onto the tracks below only to be cut in half by an oncoming train. In this version of the story, she also may not be a victim of assault, but is instead struggling with mental illness, like depression, or maybe struggling to heal from a previous trauma undisclosed in the story. But again, she jumps from the bridge and lands on the tracks and is cut in half. But, her attempt at dying by suicide is not immediately successful. Instead, when she is cut in half by the train, she doesn't die. Due to extremely cold temperatures, her blood flow is slowed significantly, and she instead continues living for a period of time, long enough to crawl to the nearby train station seeking help. When she makes it to the train station, an attendant sees her approach but is disturbed by the sight. Instead of providing any help or even comfort to the suffering woman, the attendant simply covers her with a plastic sheet, leaving her to die slowly and in agony as she bleeds out. 
In a less gruesome telling of the story, the techie techie's death occurs after she accidentally falls onto the train tracks, either at a station or by falling off of a bridge, and she is then run over by the passing train and cut in half. It's less gruesome, but also still absolutely gruesome. The gruesome and traumatic nature of her death left her as an Onryo with the goal of punishing humanity for abandoning her when she needed help most, as she lay dying at the train station. She may also just kill you to take your legs, since she cannot find her own. The Tekiteki travels on her hands, forearms, or elbows, which makes the distinctive sound she is known for, her name an onomatopoeic allusion to this. She travels exceptionally fast, though, with some stories claiming that she can move as fast as 150 kilometers per hour, or around 93 miles per hour. She has been known to keep up with people who are in cars, so she certainly can catch you on foot. Some magic charms or talismans may protect you from her, but usually there is no escape except maybe to outrun the person that's next to you. I might should have previously mentioned this, but three days after hearing the Techie Techie story, you were said to see her in person, or she may come to you in a dream, or, as we've seen in many movies now, a phone call. Sorry. But the good news is that there may be a way to survive your encounter with her. She may ask you two questions, and if you answer them to her liking— you just might make it out alive. When she asks you, do you need your legs? Your answer should be, I need them right now, or I'm using them right now. Her second question will be, who told you my story? Please don't tell her it was me. I'm the wrong answer anyway, because the correct answer is, Kashima Reiko. While this seems like a random person's name, there's actually a reason for it. When broken down, the name spells out the phonetic root for five words in Japanese. Ka is mask, she is death, ma is demon, rei is ghost, and ko is accident. Ka, shi, ma, re, ko. If you survive her questions, she will move on to finding a different victim. One who is less fortunate than you and doesn't know the answers to her questions. There is a similar Japanese urban legend about a woman named Kashima Reiko, who has been cut in half by a train. This particular ghost exclusively seems to haunt women's restrooms, trapping the bathroom's occupants and asking them two questions. In this story, the first question differs. She asks, Do you know where my legs are? If she receives the answer, the Mation Expressway or the Mation Railway, she moves on to her second question, where she asks, Who told you this? Oddly enough, this answer stays the same. Just tell her, Kashima Reiko told you. 
Any unlucky bathroom occupant who fails her questions will suffer the fate of having their legs or their entire lower half ripped off from under the stall, leaving them to die a quick but painful death. While the legend of the Teki Teki is terrifying, at the story's root, she is a sympathetic character, and Teki Teki is indicative of much larger cultural issues that Japan faces. Japan has long battled with having one of the highest suicide rates in the developed world. In 2016, Japan lost 21,897 of its citizens to suicide, which was a significant improvement over the 37,000 citizens lost in 2003. But clearly, this is still a major issue, and every life lost to suicide anywhere in the world is a life too many. Suicide is a symptom, not a disease. Mental illness, sexual assault, LGBTQ plus issues, and lack of social resources and support can all lead to suicide. Like many countries, Japan holds mental illness as a taboo, often viewed as a failure or weakness on the part of the sufferer even though one out of every four people will suffer from mental illness sometime in their life. Societal and personal beliefs like this can be incredibly damaging, and they often push people away from seeking help and treatment, leaving them to suffer alone in silence to avoid feeling shame and embarrassment. Many people view themselves as weak and a burden to loved ones. Even people not dealing with mental illness can be subject to suicidal ideation. Marginalized people, like the LGBTQ community and the elderly, are at an increased risk of suicide due to lack of support services, lack of acceptance from loved ones, and, especially in the elderly, a desire to maintain dignity and not inconvenience loved ones with their care. Another group that lacks social services, understanding, emotional support, and a feeling of dignity and control is sexual assault survivors. Experiencing a trauma of that magnitude can be devastating, and aside from the short and long-term emotional damage, sexual assault can lead to a number of medical problems like chronic pain, headaches, stomach aches, anxiety, depression, and sexually transmitted infections. Even life stressors like finances, divorce, loss of a career, or loss of a loved one can contribute to increased risk of suicide. Multiple details in versions of the Teki Teki story mirror these social issues, but instead of the stories leading to the recognition of gaps in how society is caring for these vulnerable and marginalized groups, the Teki Teki is made into a monster, an onryo after vengeance and blood. But there is no exploration of what mental illness or lifelong trauma may have driven her to suicide. There is no exploration of the person who may have assaulted her and what may have become of them. She's just a dark and gritty ghost story, an urban legend perfect for scaring movie audiences, like in the 2009 film named Teki Teki. 
there was even a sequel, very cleverly named Techie Techie 2. While Japan has a long way to go, the government and country as a whole are making strides, introducing legislation, improving social programs, and increasing resources and outreach to marginalized groups, as well as improving nationwide education about mental illness, sexual assault, and suicide. The Japanese government and private organizations are active in working to destigmatize these conversations. Kazuhiro Yamaguchi lost his father to suicide when he was a child, and he was discouraged from talking to anyone about it because it was so shameful and it was viewed as an act of selfishness. As an adult, he collaborated on a book released in 2000 entitled I Couldn't Say It Was Suicide. The book is credited with opening a door to improving suicide prevention discussions and education in the country. Maybe the techie-techie should be given a voice to serve a purpose beyond vengeance or searching for her missing legs. Maybe she needs to be the voice of a generation striving for change, working to save lives in the process. Tell is a nonprofit organization working to end the stigma around suicide with the goal of achieving outreach to everyone who needs it and aiming for a suicide rate of zero. Tell has tons of resources available on their website and social media, but here are some of their recommendations if you believe someone you know may be experiencing suicidal thoughts. Look for signs of distress, and if you believe someone you know may be having thoughts of suicide, ask them. They recommend being direct and honest, suggesting saying things like, You seem really low and I'm worried about you. Are you thinking of ending your life? Asking straightforward questions like this will not put the idea of suicide into someone's head if it wasn't already there but it may be a relief to them to have someone notice and talk to them about it. If they admit to suicidal ideation, find a private place where they can talk to you and let them take as long as they need. Don't act shocked at their emotions. You may risk them shutting down. Listen to what they have to say and do not diminish their feelings, regardless of what you think or feel. Those feelings are very real to that person. Listen without judgment. Be honest. Keep your promises. And do not make promises you cannot keep. Ideally, don't promise that you won't tell anyone else about the suicidal ideation, because telling the right people may be what it takes to save your friend's life. Tell has a lot of excellent information and resources on their website at telljp.com, their Facebook page entitled Tell, and their Twitter at TellJapan. Keep listening through the month of October for more scary stories like the one of the Techie Techie, and make sure to let me know if you have any suggestions or any stories that you want to hear. You can find me on my website at wisepodcast.buzzsprout.com or on Twitter or Instagram at A Wise Podcast.